podcast. Welcome to Silversations, the podcast. Silversations, we're a connection building card game, and then this is our podcast to really build courage, compassion, and wonder, and hold space with each other, and um, just building understanding through conversation and holding space. Um, today is Thursday, Thanksgiving. Hopefully, y'all are taking the time to spend it whether or not you're physically with loved ones intention on loved ones that we're appreciating and having a restful day today um today's podcast is with somebody that unanimously around ex our nonprofit, who we is someone who we admire someone who is an example for us and um, through this podcast, I learned as someone who our work needs to continually touch more as this is a human being in process as much as it is someone who's doing the work and is someone that is a leader in the community. This is Mr. Danny Park, who is the, he runs Skid Row People's Market, which is a market in Skid Row here in LA, um, which is essentially in a food desert, but their market has now become a hub for healthier foods, fresh foods, home-cooked foods, um, and it's a real melting pot where they have Korean elders working in the market alongside community members, um, and Danny's just very diligent in working and, and, and being in such a uh, heavy area of traffic and movement and activity in Skid Row. Uh, but they show up every day, their family, and they've been doing it, I think, since the early 90s. Um, and then also Danny helped f- uh, co-found Skid Row Coffee, which is a coffee shop, which is about um, helping people find jobs, eventually, hopefully, housing. And so his life is committed to community um, around that. And, yeah, I think this conversation is really important if you have time today it's it's over an hour but what really struck me throughout this conversation is just the rawness and the realness and the complete utter vulnerability of danny and i've always seen danny as someone is he's on 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 trending in his mind or at least the way that his mind works to me almost like a genius or or someone who their work or their art goes so deep into their soul it's so integral to their understanding of the universe or the way that uh, or their ponderings of it and yeah so I invite if you have the time to just listen to it because Danny's someone who puts his life into the work fully wholly and completely and also someone that's processing and working through it so much in the real time and I learned so much and I'm so appreciative of Danny and we'll just continue to learn and hopefully for us to be allies along in his work. So check it out. Thanks y'all. Peace. So I love how we're just getting into this. Yeah, I'm just asking, yeah, because I, I think for me, like I, I should probably preface it by if you don't know Danny, like you know, Danny works at Skid Row People's Market, started Skid Row Coffee. So I mean you're not obviously you're doing work that's very deep in deep in people's there's work in suffering you're 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 working around suffering a lot and you're working to 
maybe alleviate or to like help help uh bring raise people uh in some ways and or nourish them from that so i think i think that's the reason i'm so to to examine it more is because i think just the initial if you were to if you were to work part-time if yeah. you were to work two days a week or three days a week yeah the impact on that of a of a human being and how that can shift you or that can change you or mold you is uh it's a pretty powerful experience so yeah that's why i'm really fascinated yeah. when i hear you talk about workaholism and yeah, deteriorating yeah. um yeah i definitely you know like uh the the heart to help and then uh but you know like in some spaces uh in some areas like the amount of uh people struggling suffering hurting uh is far beyond like uh what one person is able to like help alleviate support um and it took these years for me to learn that it's been like a lesson in the making and yeah there's there's like reasons for that you know yeah. uh why it panned out like that for me yeah you know um yeah and so uh like this i guess um just kind of like more s kind of centering now as like a starting point like yeah like this year like the, with the pandemic like um like this year has been really kind of getting in touch with that mm -hmm. um like definitely knowing that like i've got a problem personally like uh and i'm also there every day working uh through and with it to in uh with people also who's st struggling a lot mm -hmm. um and yeah i guess like if you're trying to help people and you yourself are not doing well it's becomes it's it's not only difficult to help others but it can be uh actually harmful mm. you know yeah yeah and do you and has that has that process of like acknowledging that or even just within to the present moment like have you seen in whatever you've done for yourself already seen the positive effects from doing that or acknowledging that and and being in another space Yeah, like I'm, I, mean, I guess I'm, yeah, practicing healthy boundaries. Mm. Um, supporting people in the ways that I can. Mm -hmm. um, and also knowing which, which is like an everyday constant learning, like knowing, knowing in the ways that, knowing like how that in some ways, uh that 
I'm not able to. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And there has been like guilt. Um and you know, yeah, personal guilt that you feel or like mm-hmm. this sense of like this weight of the world that's like yeah. I've got to do it, you know? Um Yeah, but uh, taking a step, I guess, yeah, even now, like, I'm taking Thursdays off, uh, and my sister is helping, and, you know, that's really helpful to just step away. Um, Yeah, being out here is also... uh, you know, before here, I went to <laughs> the Superior Grocery Store. Just mm-hmm. being out here in this part of town is mm-hmm. really refreshing. Because mm-hmm. I've been in, like, Skid Row working at that market from open to close. Or, like, afternoon closing time f- for, like, years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, guess yeah um kind of through the exhaustion and stuff you're you feel like i feel you feel like um i'm not really sure where i'm can we go back to yeah no no yeah i mean i think you're 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 speaking to it i maybe i even back up a little bit more where i would just say like for someone who doesn't know like what what would you if you were to just walk through maybe like a Tuesday or Wednesday from like the beginning of your day like kind of walking it through from a perspective like what does that what does that look like from start to when the store closes um yeah so i get into work uh typically at around 5:30 um and then uh you know i count the register uh, make coffee, um, prepare pay, um, clean, uh, and when it gets to around, also my mom comes around 5.45, so we're, and she, she brings in merchandise, so we're also stocking, uh, during that time, uh, and then around, six uh around six thirty six forty five uh um our employees come in mm-hmm. and then at seven we open the market um well, we write the quote of the day before yeah. uh I don't know if you met Kyrie mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah. Kyrie's like a long time friend and um i guess the community elder yeah uh he's so he's there in the mornings and he every day brings like a, a quote of the day that he writes and it t- takes it out of his wallet. Yeah. And then I get the chalk and write yeah. it down on the board. And then, um, yeah, when it gets around like 6.50, 8, 6.59 or so, we say 
together safe blessed and prosperous it's something that Kyrie started mm, now it's like stay blessed like and prosperous safe safe blessed and prosperous um yeah so it's, it's become like uh it's a ritual um and then we open the doors and then uh yeah we're open for business um and so that's like the morning shift uh it's my mom for most most days it's my mom and i i mean the, there's different shifts but mm-hmm. uh in the morning it's usually my mom she works the first shift and i and two other people um and then around 10 uh we have uh like the second shift people come in um and then yeah we we're we're close we close at six these days but yeah every day is different like for a couple like wednesdays and saturdays we have like our big shipments um so there's a bunch of like stocking to do um there's this shit that happens all day long throughout the store uh there's yeah there's just stuff happening all day long in the store uh both inside and outside and so we're you know managing the market Mm -hmm. um the grocery store market um so there's like that work uh like and then um there's also the work of um like community relations and like like facilitating that space and de-escalating when uh you know when there's fights or things that might erupt Mm -hmm. um there's there's people who like we have to call 911 sometimes um overdoses stuff like that uh yeah it's it's like in a there's there's a lot of violence Mm -hmm. and so we're yeah it's it's a it's a market a grocery store in in that kind of a space um and i guess yeah that when i say that kind of a space it's uh it's a poor working class predominantly black neighborhood area skid row um there is a there's a there's lots of unhoused people there um there's the yeah that's kind of the yeah i'm just thinking like what else to like describe the yeah this place um but yeah, it's Skid Row. Yeah. Um, 
next to Little Tokyo, next to Historic Core, next to the Arts District. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, thank you for sharing that and just explaining that because a lot comes up for me just even listening to that in terms of, wow, if you ask many people who work in a market, quote unquote, and any other, and just in, if you were to poll a uh, hundred people that work in markets around the country, like how many of them would think that de-escalation is a part of their job or managing conflict is a part of their job and I think that part is really fascinating to me that because um, almost to me it's like yes you run the market but you are more of a community you're a community element within that area of Skid Row more so than you obviously you are a market but the work that I've you've put in and, and your family's put in to like cultivate the market in the space as like a hub or even the way that it's marketed or it's colored or the way that it's welcome, the way that it has home cooked foods, it has people from the community, like that aspect is very powerful. And I think I've always wanted to know how you, how you continue to lead with love and how you, um, you know, have your quote of the day and like believe that and feel that and and embody that with everything that you just described that goes into the to the daily work of running the market yeah um i mean for 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 me personally like i mean this this year this year has been very hard. Uh, it's, you know, it. I guess on the back end, or so I'm telling like the story of like, I guess for me, uh, my experience, like this year, uh, if I've had uh, just recurring thoughts of suicide mm-hmm. um, and almost a lifelong struggle with alcohol and now I've realized workaholism Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah the the work uh, and this life being there has gifted me the um, the insight to see those things mm-hmm. um, and look into my own healing journey. That's powerful. I mean, even just what we were talking about in terms of that's already, you've already just reframed it for me in in the discussion of like admiring somebody and looking in that leader, you know, and to even look at, you know, because I I frame it in a way of like, man, Danny's putting in the work every day. Danny's in there changing the community and for you to, you know, to share this and like, oh, this is actually 
yeah, there's the human being that's experiencing this is having the human experience that is, is intaking everything that's being experienced is intaking trauma is intaking suffering. And then in that own space has to, um, work and handle their, the own personal journey of life. And man, that's really right now. That's just like a, like a just very powerful thing to hear and and I, like thank you for sharing that and and for me it's like to understand that like it it shows me the value of how much we need to care for even more for the people that are doing the work and and give resources to those people that it's not just about they're doing the work so they have it figured out it's actually no we're we need to provide that space more yeah um I have I've been uh during this time learning a lot uh learning from uh Buddhist teachings mm-hmm. um and in Buddhi- Buddhism there's a the notion of the hungry ghost um the hung- have you heard of the no, hungry ghost no, no I haven't um the hungry ghost um or preta think in it com- also comes from uh hinduism pritta mm-hmm. um the hungry ghost is represented as a ghost that has a big stomach and uh, uh the throat the size of a needle and so it eats and eats and eats mm-hmm. but never can be full um and uh we need to stop the society needs to stop producing hungry ghosts. It's often used as a metaphor for addictive behavior. Um, and one of my learning has been that the root of all addictions, addictive behavior, uh, is uh, trauma, wound, a hurt, a pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, addiction has uh, many different mani- manifestations. Uh, it can manifest in uh, alcohol, drugs. It can manifest in sex. It can manifest in power. It can manifest in money. Uh, it can manifest in the acquisition of stuff, um, the hunger, and it you can never fill it. Um, and from my own experience and my learning uh it's like w- another aspect of uh, addictive behavior is we want to feel good um we want to feel good um we want to feel calm we want to feel not in pain um and so in yeah um looking at I think for most of my life, I looked at my uh, addictive behavior as I, I, I spent a life of self-condemning myself. Um, and persecuting myself that I'm, I keep screwing up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's through like drinking or um eating whatever it is you know um you you're to blame for it 
because uh, you're not strong enough or you don't have the internal strength. You need to keep, you need to do better. And you punish yourself um, when you fall and you, you relapse or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, as you know, there's so much uh, struggle in in life for people um social economic uh and so we have and also the the type of culture that's um capitalism and type of culture that's um social media it's uh, encourages certain types of behaviors mm-hmm. um and we're looking to like feel good <coughs> yeah um yeah i i that has helped me to reframe things and also uh explore and look deeper into my own roots of where that comes from and uh one of my uh, mentors, Elisa Ordunia, she, Elisa Ordunia, she's, um, she was the homeless policy director of, uh, to the mayor, uh, Eric Garcetti, and after that, uh, like the city manager and senior advisor for homelessness in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's what sh- I guess professionally she's a healer, a writer, um, like my mentor and someone I really, uh, learn a lot from and admire. And she, during the, you know, in the beginning of this year, during the uprising, one of the things that she, uh, recommended or advised is doing a family tree exercise. Mm. Um, that's one of the things that I did that I, I think was, like a breakthrough mm-hmm. um yeah um so i looked back into i mean my father my father uh you know i looking back to like just kind of going back where did like where did i learn these things um and why and how um, also not, b- I mean, looking back into my life, when did I start using, uh, what happened, you know, and then just mm-hmm. drawing out the family tree or writing like your journals and, or diary, like when did I start using, writing about the time, first time, uh, and then thinking about what happened. So you say like 1998 or whatever, 1998, uh, how old, you know, how old was I? What was happening? Where did I live? Who did I hang? Like what had happened during those, that time? Um, and I connected the, you know, there's incidents that happened, um, and I, like, I did some research and it said that, like, um, after a traumatic experience, it takes around two months for symptoms to appear, um, and those things kind of all made sense, um, like, when I started to, to have certain behaviors or do certain things, 
um, you know, from ab abuse or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then also, uh, you know, linked like, um, there's a history of uh, alcoholism or substance abuse, uh, suicide. Um, in in my family um, and particularly among men mm -hmm. um, and yeah it was both uh, the people I'm looking at in my family it was also related to business um, and uh, business failing and uh, I guess not being able to fulfill your duty as a man, your uh, patriarchal duty, the mm -hmm. fulfilling that gender role. And so you need to die. And you feel so inadequate as a human. And then so you ease the pain, you drink, you do whatever, you know, um, or you run away um, or you kill yourself. Um, because you can't see your family in the eye or you, you have failed, you know? Um, and yeah, just, just kind of going back to that exercise, I was also, it's like, okay, so like my grandfather was alive. Like I never met him. Uh, he, he died by suicide uh, a couple years after he, uh, him and his family like moved to America in Montebello. Uh, and yeah, so looking at like, what is like the, like at that time, what is like the, so the social, political, economic situation that, that produces a group of people to migrate or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so just going back more, um, going back more and trying to connect with my ancestor, my grandfather, who I've never met, mm -hmm. but there's something where um, if I stop like intellectualizing and rationalizing and, and f feel like uh, there's things I feel. Um, and I, I, that hurt and I guess during that time, like, uh, I had, like, uh, when I was, like, dreaming, having recurring dreams of, like, suicide, like, I was also thinking about my grandfather a lot mm -hmm. uh, for the first time, or, like, thinking about his suicide, like, really investigating that. Mm -hmm. um, and also doing, like, uh, asking my mom, interviewing, trying to gather more information, connect the dots. Um, and yeah, she, um, one of the things I learned was he, so he was in the, had, uh, like a lifelong career in the military. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, my mom would tell me stories about how, uh, like in her words, like 
this is in her words like you know a lot of times and she was you know little like he was like weird like he would talk to himself and he would like uh also drink a lot and he would hide alcohol in the back of the house and and like everybody knew like he did it but he'd be mm-hmm. like oh um and he would have i guess i don't know episodes or whatever you want to call it now it's we, we call that ptsd mm-hmm. but he wasn't so like one of the things that he often talked about was uh that i heard from my mom was he a story that this one of the stories is like how like uh after i mean the korean war is not still not over but uh when the time that north korea um uh, and south korea was created uh and the demilitarized zone uh with one of his the projects that he had to do was um go in, in a plane into north korea and uh with paratroopers in the airplane and push uh push these young soldiers these young boys out of the airplane mm-hmm. and he really didn't want to do that and he, he uh was very traumatized by these young boys crying not wanting to jump out um being like a team leader that was he was his job to do that and that's one of the things that you know my mom said that she was like forever scarred or like haunted by Mm -hmm. hearing their voices and um and yeah as as my own practice uh like dream journaling practice like it occurred to me in my dream like i was able to see and i i saw the these young boys uh who uh were in the military uh and didn't want to jump out and crying for their moms and and urinating in their pants and then pushing off and never hearing from them again um and so going back to my roots and trying to touch the and then you come back and then you see these men uh violent angry mm-hmm. and and having to try to adjust back into work life and family life and they're having all sorts of struggles and uh we say what wrong with them um and you know it's yeah i guess the my uh that exercise led me uh down into the effort of trying to touch the roots of the addiction and the violence within and where that comes from uh Yeah. And so, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of the work that we do, a lot of my work, I it's that's very much at the center of it. Mm-hmm. How do we break and transform that cycle of intergenerational violence? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at. Um, you've been to that. You came to the Chuseok. That's yeah, yeah. very much part of it, of uh, even growing up here for us. Uh, were you, you were born here. Yeah. Second yeah, gen- yeah. generation. 
So, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, there's, there's some, uh, there's reasons why we don't know some things. Um, for purpose of assimilating, pr- mm-hmm. purpose of, um, whatever, the model minority myth, all that. Um, And yeah, I, when I, I believe that when you don't know where you come from, you can be easily manipulated. And um, when, when you don't know who you are, you can be uh, taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. uh, And all those things that comes with that self, low self-esteem and, and, maybe may you know lead to destructive behavior um and we see that with uh the black community indigenous people Mm -hmm. um non-whites all nine non-whites um and so when you have i mean so yeah the the foster care system like when you are able to know where you come from and have a community uh, where those uh, posit- those values are reinforced mm-hmm. and you feel supported. Uh, that right there is like creates a strong, sustainable, uh, healthy, loving, caring people and community. You know you're loved because that's where you come from. Yeah. Um, and a lot of us have been uh, uprooted or displaced, homeless that's been cut off, and we don't know where we, where we come from. Um, yeah, so a lot of the work, uh, both personal and uh, the work we do, is is related to that. It's that's kind of wow. Like, yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's man. There's a lot that you were saying that was just conjuring a lot for me. But even just the most immediate, I was literally before this. I was filling up the water bottles. Um, so on the other side here on Crenshaw. Um, and for some reason, I don't know what that thought was. I, I was just waiting for the water to fill. And I thought about, oh, because I was, my my uh, my niece's uh, fiance wants me to basically make a video for her birthday. But I was thinking about, um, and then also thinking about the holidays. Like, am I going home? Am I what's what should i be doing and then i thought about how i grew up then i thought literally about community care and i and then i thought about what my what my family parties look like growing up and understanding Mm. touching those pieces of me now which is why do why is a community a a hallowed thing to me why is uh, a hallowed hallowed thing right in the space of taking care of people or making sure people understand that they know their value or making sure people understand that they're um they have a gift they have a they have a something to offer to the world yeah is because those are the exact things that were perpetuated like in my community cycle mm. of like my family and it's interesting because uh you know i was sharing like w- i have a lot of dysfunction in my extended family as well but i think they 
the overwhelming message was always that doesn't matter at the end of the day what matters is that you're coming back in your family and you're taking care of each other and yeah so I, I think hearing hearing you and and share your experience that brings up a lot for me because it it helps helps me so thank you to just see that I'd you know these experiences are not just in a vacuum these are not you you know while yes I, I truly with all my heart believe universally that people have a a sense of goodness and purpose and a sense of belonging and a sense of contribution that if we polish it enough they can find regardless but to understand the privilege of uh or at least examining that like how you do with your family tree and the first podcast was with my mom and oh yeah yeah and i actually learned like my grand my grandpa was a doctor you know and they they were actually a pretty wealthy family and i did not you know you come and you grow up in this like immigrant yeah this like immigrant family and then understanding that that oh wait a minute that has a lot that i didn't know that but that has something to do with the way that i was brought up whether that was the mentalities Mm -hmm. that were my with what my mom carried or how she parented yeah or how she viewed things and it's yeah you just thank you for sharing that because it's got me in this like space of like really in real time examining that that juxtapose of whether that's trauma um but but even that is when we talk about trauma is like yeah my my mom's my mom's been through a ton of trauma with her dad dying being hit by a car like my dad passing away you know and I think me being able to acknowledge that as an adult has really to what you say like as an adult to realize her trauma as an adult mm-hmm. and acknowledge that more so in a in a full space and to hear your stories is just this real time of like man you're you're um I've had a very you know I don't say easy experience but I've had a you know compared to the people that I'm around you know like I I I think that's why I feel so much like I need to do this for the rest of my life because the more every day I live, I'm more becoming aware of how much I've been blessed with things. And it makes me actually just wonder why that's, why that is and why that, uh, these things of trauma or these things of, have somewhat evaded me. Not that that won't happen, but you know, and then it makes me think about what my duty is to that. Mm. And to honor that or to help that or to provide the space for those that are experiencing that. So, yeah, just thank you for that. that was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think like in this work and in this, in this touching of that and kind of acknowledging that from like, cause I remember at Chusok, you, you also um, talked about the inner violence and the generational trauma, generational violence in this exploration or in this discovering and uncovering. Um, how has that, how has that journey been? How has it carried you or moved you? Um, Um, yeah, well, before, 
the you know during that pause there was something that came to mind which i uh while you were talking uh yeah. like a response which then uh i couldn't remember but the what i wanted to say was like i've i i always like that expression like you are your ancestors wildest dreams mm. um and yeah i like i you know like um when you you hear like oh like th- like our they the people before us they suffer so much more and all this um i have it good you know um that like even the opportunity to like do like healing work or um do work to explore that trauma and uh, get better um like i that shit is not a luxury you know it's like why don't we deserve that <laughs> you know yeah. just as yeah. humans you know um mm. and like i i i believe man that's like that's that's like part of our duty where um mm. um it's different it's we're in a different uh it's a different gen- it's 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 a different generation but i mean it's there's roots you know and uh our our work is to continue to uh i, I guess strive to like break and transform those cycles of violence and they're oftentimes passed down through family but uh and community but also uh there are like structural forces uh that impacts and shapes and affects the families and communities uh to create those behaviors too um yeah what was what was the last no the, I, the last? I thank you took it there thank you for addressing that that was i mean i was just gonna ask um question is just you know in, in touching that in being proximity with that and and making a concerted effort to touch those roots to touch that understanding to touch that intergenerational experience what have you received from it or what has been fruitful for you hmm What comes to mind is uh, like Measure J passing. Mm. Um, you know, it allows us more opportunities where uh, like this kind of work is can be possible mm. on a larger scale. 
um, you know, it takes a lot of work and resources and people and love and community for one person to be held and have enough space and safety and resources mm -hmm. and education to progress. Yeah. And so, you know, we're talking about uh, for everyone, for all people. Yeah. Um, I mean, even just locally, uh, LA or countrywide or citywide, but yeah. like, you know, across the globe, um, and as people and also being in relation to uh, planet Earth, the Earth and the land to um, So yeah, the opportunity to continue continue doing that every day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's really fascinating. Uh, the because it's very interesting we it started in the space of community and it, it went into the space of personal your personal search and almost what i just gathered right there was like what has your personal search led you to understand or like what have you mm. received from that and the gift that you've received from doing that work has come in the form of like the work in the community happening and then measure j passing so that more resources go to the community and go to the people that's the most lit up I've seen you while oh, we were really? discussing, <laughs> you know, right now, like as you, it was interesting because I was like, well, I just as a human being feeling that energy right there where you lit up, where it was like, Oh, measure J passing. And that's really fascinating. Like the concept of, cause you went into this deep dive within Danny and Danny's ancestors, and Danny's roots and that search. And what is it? almost like that search leads you back into the community and the work mm. and the, it's almost like an infinity or that it's this, 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 um, sustainable model where it's, it feeds, you know, where now I wonder, I'd be interested to see how that, how that kind of connects back as the, as the community breakthroughs happen and the community work happens for, where these things that should be the rights of people that should be the, the, expectation that people should heal yeah people should have enough food yeah that people should have shelter what is that thing that you uh i remember you posted like the, uh, it's an obligation or uh like it was like a, um <laughs> was it like a story that i posted it was like a just like a, a quote or an expression i um, think i know about more or less uh i forget right but an obligation or something like that let me um because i think i i remember i think we might have we might have uh traded a couple messages about this oh really let me see if this is i i remember um i think it was just like a small quote by it was a quote by uh i think an indigenous leader mm -hmm. and then um let me see if i can yeah, that I think that sounds right. Just find it. I know when I see it, it's just gonna be. It's a very simple. It has like a little little picture of a quote. Maybe I won't. Oh, here it is. Um. Oh, it's at right here. So it's uh, from September 18. Um. It says the single biggest thing I learned was from an indigenous elder of Cherokee descent, Stan Rushworth, who reminded me of the difference between a Western settler mindset of I have rights 
and an indigenous mindset of I have obligations. Mm. Instead of thinking that I am born with rights, I choose to think that I am born with obligations to serve past, present, and future generations and the planet herself. Mm. That's nice. Yeah. So I guess uh, just going back to the last your last question, like kind of um, gifted these insights and wisdoms that we have. Um, how do we be stewards and uh, protectors of? people from structural violence mm-hmm. um, yeah and yeah so on the going back to measure J um, and talking about like the material stuff it's like yeah it's I I light up I light up I I you know you I, it's it's awesome because I I think of I think of computers I think of like music equipment mm-hmm. I think of instruments uh, art mm-hmm. art uh, supplies uh, spaces physical spaces books um, getting us to like our creative divine spirit you know. Um, that shit, I'm sure you can say it's transformative. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's transformative. And yeah. um, we're talking about change, and um, The more of that we have, the less people are uh, and also like the development of those skills um, and how they can be used uh, to contribute to like society in like a life affirming way a non-exploitative way for people and and that being a sustainable way in future and like literally like being able to see that like and being able to like okay i believe it uh i believe like leers will lure lure people away Mm -hmm. from other means to get resources Mm -hmm. um crime what they call crime or uh yeah i mean yeah we're talking about if we're talking about just transformation and human progress and uh change and evolution and uh that to me feels very and looks to me very vibrant yeah you know yeah if you were if you were to imagine just the way that you're imagining these possibilities with with Measure J and this funding towards community, how how would you are you able to envision how you would evolve and how you would grow within that system of change or transformation? How I would grow? Yeah. Personally? Yeah. 
You know, um, I want to say, like, we're able to do the work that we do, like a community cafe and a community grocery shop in the nature of, like, the collective spirit. Uh, And don't, like, always have to be, like, putting out fires on survival mode all the time. Uh, I want to say that, um, and I think like over this year, and I'm I'm able to slowly kind of imagine more. I think during the you know uh, during the last year, just like struggling and being in like dark places. Um, the world looks very small to you, you know, mm. um, and you, it, 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 um, it kind of like is destructive to your creative spirit. You can't, you can't see, you're, you becomes very, you become very negative, Critici- you criticize, you judge instead of like seeing things on a more expansive way. Yeah. And so I think I'm slowly day by day getting back to uh that practice yeah um yeah yeah i say fuck yeah to that (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. wow that's um yeah just on a very uh yeah human level thank you for you know diving into that i feel like um I'm going to be processing this a lot, even just in what you've, that you've shared in terms of the framework of how one views service to their personal narrative, to their personal trauma, to their personal history. Um, and just even I'm learning about how to ask and hold space even more so just in, in today and what we're, you know, because um, I love the one thing I really appreciate about you is your thinking is not linear. You're not a linear thinker or a speaker. Like you're, uh, these pauses, you're, you're, you have the most, your pauses fill the most space in any of the pauses that I've ever um, really sat with. Right? Cause there's a, and even a couple of times in this where I was like, oh, <laughs> and I should have just waited, you know, I was like, Oh no, yeah. you should have just sat like you, your instinct was right. Like Danny was processing, you know, and a couple of times you're like, Oh, let's come back to this. And, yeah, and I I think that's I think one thing I've learned is not not the pedestal of you, but I think what I appreciate about you is um there's an artist's way of thinking in the way that you examine yourself and your work in the community and your care for the community. Um and for me that's what draws me the most is there's a real creative process and I love that and it encourages me to in the ways that I want to be of service to 
to use creativity to tap into where creative creativity right at the heart of creativity is vulnerability because we're opening ourselves up to to deem the possibilities to deem our own uh, conjurings from everything that we've learned and everything that we've taken in to possibly be um, helpful yeah and, and create new possibilities yeah so yeah i just want to say thank you for thank you very yeah um oh that the the silence thing uh yeah i just wanted the remark was how are you gonna do that with the podcast thing (laughs) because it's like a audio thing yeah and like how because i yeah that even just as a personal uh for me personally uh being able the the silence and being able to sit with your just being able to sit and like not do anything is has been is incredibly uh it's it's hard um isn't there like a quote like the like a person's like a lot of our problems come from like the inability to sit still in a room or something like that um yeah and when you sit still there's a lot of things that surfaces and it's really uh you're asked to confront some things it's Mm -hmm. daunting and it's scary uh and can be exciting and uh kind of going there yeah i think can it's it's there's you could learn you learn or you can learn so much there's so much wisdom and insight in there uh and to be able to have the enough resources and support and safety for 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 one to uh be able to do so you know because that's also like with trauma and stuff it's it's not an easy you know uh, yeah. easy thing for anyone yeah to to go there yeah. you know and i think that's a a very valuable thing is to because i'm acknowledging my own responses right but i'm i'm what i'm learning even in this space is a problem like if you're listening and you are like this is i can't handle the silence that's fine you know but then that might tell you something more about what you're able to handle or like what are you what are you yeah. needing what are you needing to fill i understand like flow like obviously flow and like the concept of like keeping it moving but in this case man the like what you're what you're sharing is you're sharing your work in real time as a as a human being and that is not something I think people are maybe maybe spend their whole lives ever willing to access, let alone to do it on a podcast and to to create the space. Yeah, thank. I mean, I'm very appreciative uh, yeah. for you and Yikes and Alex for um, not only today but um, have been uh, since when I met you. Well. Uh, create those spaces um i mean it's got to be a safe it's got to be safe for for one to be able to 
do so, do that, express, mm. won't, and, um, and yeah, a lot of it, uh, I've also learned from you guys, uh, that, mm. um, intimate awkwardness, or it might be awkward, it might not be for some people, yeah. but, but practicing that, yeah. uh, with yourself and in relation to other people, yeah. um, yeah, I think it's, shout out to Ralph, because I think it was in, he said that <laughs> awkward, uh, silence or awkward or that when staring what is it the uh, eye gazing? gazing yeah <laughs> eye gazing yeah. um yeah so uh as you know as yeah. you know those it's it's those are very uh fruitful uh, exercises yeah I, I would say something something very valuable lies right on the other side of the awkward mm. right because that the awkwardness is a stimulus or a response to so, whether something that's being brought up that we were not really is a stimulus and a response awkwardness what like what like awkward is like you know i think of like high school and uh, being what what is awkward like what is i feel like for me awkward is like maybe this feeling of like misalignment but then it can be but it can also be a projection of your ego and a projection of like oh this is awkward but what is what is awkward about it you know (laughs) it's it's a it's a space of silence where someone's thinking or there's not not something to be said right now because it, there's a time to process or there's a, just allowing that to be like you said our society does not allow for that when you know like uh, we were just watching the social dilemma oh, on yeah. Netflix and it's everything is designed to continue to keep your responses like on top respond 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 stay stay tapped into that yeah yeah in that rhythm and yeah i i think i've learned a lot of that about wanting to live in that space more um and i think i that's a place i need to grow very much so and um, yeah but even in yeah um one thought i was having before you actually shared was also you saying we are our ancestors wildest dreams so if i was to tap that it's like mine which is was very much instilling the concept of like hospitality and welcoming people and making sure people are fed making sure people are taken care of and thinking about what you're talking about measure j i think about and this is something I was going to talk to you about in general also outside of the podcast, but was like healing spaces for the people that are doing the work. Um, and what, what better way to be a, a, a wild dream of your ancestor than to provide healing and safe spaces and uh, spaces to honor and to hold space for those that are doing the greatest of the work or helping the most vulnerable. Um, yeah yeah i don't yeah that's yeah that's that's cool and i there's there's a lot there that healing space for it's interesting because uh there's you know like this everyone like people come to the work for different reasons um i once heard uh um like everyone in skid row is looking for something everyone uh uh or yeah, a lot of people come to Skid Row looking for something. Um, 
and if I yeah I guess it that it seems very true to me mm-hmm. um, from all walks of life all walks of life you know yeah. through wanting to searching for wanting a greater purpose or helping or searching for a place to sleep whatever community uh, and I guess yeah Skid Row is just kind of the met- the place i used for it but like coming into the work for different uh from different histories different reasons different backgrounds it's and yeah i yeah that the heal the that space or that's healing space did you say mm-hmm. healing space yeah. healing center healing yeah. space uh for people doing the work uh that's that's so yeah that's very much needed i think there's a book that i'm reminded of called uh, trauma stewardship Mm -hmm. uh, which helped me a lot uh, and it's about secondary trauma um, from witnessing ongoing trauma uh, to the point where your reality looks different now Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah it's like Mm -hmm. you know there's like no you're not given a uh, I guess like an instructions manual. We're not. We're learning things as we go. A lot of uh, many of us, and yeah. I guess yeah. The kind of the the more support, uh, the more support that we have, the because sometimes like in trying to help people, you can also create harm. You know, a lot of harm. Uh, yeah. And and having those spaces, uh, the practice of reflection, introspection. Uh, is critical. Uh, it's a core component of it. Uh, and yeah, I guess it's just as important. It's it's part of it, you know. Um, it's part of the practice um, yeah. because if you don't have that time to reflect and process information and you're just going, 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 you could hurt yourself you can hurt others and also yourself mm-hmm. uh and so yeah if we have more if those spaces like that yeah. very important well we'll actually talk because there's actually a thread going on with mel and a couple other uh organizers about holding like more sessions like that hey, awesome so you're definitely awesome. gonna be somebody that will be in the space cool yeah cool. all right danny that's how let's go with a few silversations, just questions. No, okay. Yeah. What are what are uh, what are three things that bring you joy in life? Uh, family, the practice of sitting still, and. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what are the three qualities about what are three qualities about Jess that bring you joy? Three qualities of Jess that brings me joy. Yeah.
um, chess is so fun and uh, like she brings that you know and I guess just in relation to in relation to us you know mm -hmm. she brings that and it's uh, you know it's very helpful for me for and uh, that she can sense and like bring that you know mm -hmm. um and the the question is what's three things about just that brings you joy yeah uh just about just she's a, a really amazing listener um and hold space and her uh, love of food mm -hmm. um, but like yeah th her love of food but it's like her love of like you basically mm. um, yeah, so if, shout out to Jess. Jess, you got a, <laughs> you got four, Jess, if you got it. <laughs> but if yeah, if you don't know, like Jess is uh, helps run Skid Row Coffee, Danny's partner, and Jess is huge within like food advocacy and food justice. And when Danny says love, if someone exhibits love through food, it's definitely Jess. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Nourishing people, um, cooking and serving and using it as a way to connect and build community and to care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I asked this with the uni last night. I'd be interested to just hear it with you just to close out this way for you. But if you were to give uh, a message to your mom and your dad, you can do it together or you were to do it separately about, just something you would want them to know or while being in this space of um, being what, what's something that you would want to share with them or tell them It'll be, uh, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's. Yeah. Thanks, Danny. Thank you for building Thank this you, space. Ray. Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, I've learned a lot more so than your your my response to just like be in this right now and just like stay <laughs> stay with you because there was so much in which when you were talking that I was like whoa what about that what about that <laughs> and so thank you for just like I, I feel like my str I strengthened my practice of being present and 
being in the silence. That's immediately my takeaway. Um, and you know, I just learned more about interviewing and how mm. how i think one thing i learned is to be more more like water even more so like mm. water with it mm. and yeah i think uh, concept sometimes like tap in tap in and just stay where i realized this was just a very human you were like there was a human i think you i mean you're always very present in it but like the human processing and the and that I think that right there was was the most important thing was to just make space for that mm. as opposed to asking any specific questions or as to yeah 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 well thank you Ray because yeah. you know you make it very like comfortable for me in this space like cushy yeah <laughs> um yeah so I, I I appreciate that you know yeah man um yeah I guess yeah like the interview yeah the the interview thing something i sometimes think about uh like the interview process is like an interview like between like inter the prefix and uh -huh. view and uh i think often uh i've been in interviews where it's just like a one-way street mm -hmm. you know bombarded with questions yeah and so i i do like the 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 inter aspect of it the interquality of viewing you know yeah uh the flow Podcast.